Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Watermark OC Church Sunday Message. Watermark is a generational community that is crazy passionate about starting a conversation about God, your relationships, and authentic love. If you're interested in getting more information, please click the link in the show notes for next steps. Thanks again for listening. It's our hope and prayer that this message would transform your life. The book of Revelation is the only book in the Bible that promises a blessing for those that read, to, read it and respond to it. Look at Revelation 1.3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart. That means like read it and respond to it. Read it and let it affect your life, the way you live. Uh, read, it, read it and take it to heart what is written in it, the words of it, because the time is near. This is a blessing that God wants to bring to us. This is a blessing that God brought to John, the author of this book, the Apostle John. John was one of the twelve. He's one of Jesus' homeboys. He's one of the twelve apostles, the twelve disciples, right? John's the last one standing. This is about A.D., 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 90. All the other guys have died for their faith. Nero had a huge persecution, and tradition tells us that Peter and Paul are gone because of that persecuted. John is kind of the figurehead for the church now. The church has shifted from Jerusalem to Ephesus, Asia Minor, and John's kind of the leader of that church and all the churches. He's kind of the guy. And guess what? Things aren't going so well. They're being persecuted by a Roman government that is really oppressing them because the leader of Rome, the guy that supposedly is on the throne, says, hey, I'm God. I've decided I'm God, and you need to worship me. Kind of a popular thing in America today, too, right? I mean, the world, hey, I'm God, and you need to worship me. Here's my Facebook post. Here's my, here's my Snapchat. Here's my Instagram. Here's my little zinger. What do you call that? The, the fun tune thing? TikTok. Here's my TikTok, right? I'll get it. I'll get it right. It's kind of like a Vogue thing in our world today. Well, back then, it wasn't that Vogue, especially that Vogue. But when this guy did it, man, he was, had the power, and so he persecuted the people that uh, didn't want to do it. He wanted people to go and put a pinch of incense and say, you know what, Caesar, you're God, you're Lord. And John wouldn't do it. So he's exiled on an island of Patmos. He's being persecuted, and the church is being persecuted. Some people are losing their jobs. Some people are losing their community. The Jews are kicking them out of the synagogues. Some people are losing their lives. This is not a great thing. Things aren't going well. John really needs a blessing. Blessed are you, John. You might need a blessing today. You might need a perspective change. You may have had a hard week. Things may not be going well in your world with your relationships, with your dating, or with your education, or with your technology, or whatever it is. Maybe it's your pet. We got two dachshunds, and sometimes things just don't go well with these two dachshunds. And guess what, man? The world comes to an end because they're like our children, right? Our dogs are our kids. And so, hey, if things are rumbling in your world, you might need a blessing. And the blessing, what does it come from? Well, the blessing comes from, to John in perspective. The blessing comes to John in understanding. It's not the blessing we think that it is. We think the blessing is more money, more power, get me out of prison, success, a better job. Uh, That's not the blessing that the book of Revelation is bringing to John and wanting to bring us today. The blessing is perspective. The blessing is a new set of lenses. The ability to take off a set of earthly lenses and human-centered orientation and to see a God-centered orientation, to see 
not just a human reality or a natural reality, but to see a supernatural reality, to see the true reality, a new set of lenses. My wife goes to lens crafters. She wears glasses. She's getting crafted a new set of glasses. God wants to craft you a new set of lenses for your spiritual understanding. I'll get a little bit further in the illustration. You'll, get, you'll like this one, guys. What about the Oculus of God? Right? Oculus is cool new technology, virtual reality goggles. You can put these things on and you get to do whatever you want to do. You can get to go to Wimbledon. You get to go to the Super Bowl and be Don Brady. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to get a set of these things. I get to dunk again. I used to be able to dunk. It's been a long time since I've dunked. But if I can go on Oculus and do a, a triple reverse slam jump, oh my gosh, I can't wait to be an Oculus. And one day maybe I could jump into the metaverse and become my own god. Is that cool? It's awesome until you trip in the, in the living room and it falls off and you fall out on the floor and it falls and you realize you're not God. So this is not a virtual reality that God wants to give you. He wants to give you the true reality, the spirit, a spiritual oculus so you can see in the true reality of who's in charge and what does that mean for us? John's wondering, who's in charge? Is Caesar in charge? If Caesar's in charge, man... This, this church is going down, right? If I'm in charge, things aren't going well because I'm in prison. Right? If Putin's in charge, guess what? Things aren't going real well. If China's in charge, it ain't going to happen. Guess what? I'm not really encouraged by either American president. I don't think on the American president's in charge, things are going to go that great either. I don't know. Who are we going to trust in? Who's in charge and what's the plan? Is it Elon? Are we going to get to the moon and escape to, to Mars? Who's in charge? And what's the plan? We wonder that all the time. Because the world is shaking and rattling and things are not going well. Just like it wasn't for John in the first century. And God wants to answer that by giving you a spiritual oculus. An open door. And how does that happen? It happens through worship. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy takes it to heart and responds to it. That's worship, guys. That's the way through. That's John's understanding of how we get into blessing, of how God meets us. He meets us in worship. Worship is responding to all that God is with all that we are. As John is doing that, even in prison, even on a rock pile, guess what? God gives him an oculus and opens a door into the heavenly realms. Worship is our way through. The oculus of God. As I looked, this is John. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, right in front of me, right here. There's a door. There's a door. I see it. It's right there, right? There's a door in heaven, and the voice I had heard, first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you must, what must take place. There's a door. There's an opportunity God wants to give that to you in your struggle, in your pain, in your tribulation. God wants to take you through that. How do we do that? Through worship. Worship opens the door. And guess what? Guess what we understand from this? Heaven is not some faraway place. This is not Buzz Lightyear theology, guys. It's not to infinity and beyond. It's not, it's not beyond the clouds, beyond the planets, some faraway place that we've got to send a rocket to. We've got to get, get high enough. We've got to get way out there and maybe we can achieve it or attain it. It's faraway place, somewhere out there. Heaven's somewhere out there. What the Bible says is that heaven is right here, right now. 
And the door to heaven is open right in this room right here. We are surrounded. The world is not what it seems. Reality is not what it seems. There's a heavenly realm that surrounds this place that is the true reality. There is a throne that's right here available to us, and the door is open in and through the person of Jesus Christ. What did Jesus say? What is the good news? Is the good news that you pray a prayer and you go to heaven when you die? What? What's this preacher talking about? Is the good news praying a prayer and going to heaven when you die? Is that what Jesus preached? No, he didn't preach that. I've preached that before. That's partially true. But Jesus preached the kingdom of God is not when you die. It's right here, right now. The door is open right here, right now. Kingdom of heaven is right here. Repent, turn, and believe the good news. Grab a hold of that offer in and through me for the kingdom of heaven right here, right now. That's what John is experiencing, the kingdom of heaven. He's reaching out for that in worship, and the door has opened. And what is the revelation? What is the spiritual perspective? At once I was in the spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with somebody sitting on it. That is good news. Because the world's not spinning out of control. Right? This isn't just a random chance happening. All that's happening in the world, although it seems like it, seems like the market's out of control. It seems like inflation's out of control. It seems like Putin's out of control. It seems like the world's out of control. And who's running the world? Well, there's a throne in heaven right here, and somebody's on it. That's good news for you and me. There's a throne in heaven, and somebody's on it. And it's not Putin. It's not Ping. It's not Evan Almighty. It's not Bucky Almighty. It's not you Almighty. It's not one of us, praise God, because I don't make a good God. You don't make good gods. There's a throne in heaven and somebody's on it, and that's good news when you're going through trouble and struggle, when you're going to go through tribulation. The book of Revelation heads into tribulation. How do you get through tribulation? You know somebody's on the throne and somebody's sitting on it, but who is this one That helps us through. Who is this one that we worship? Who is the one that's on the throne? And John gets an amazing picture in Revelation 4 of the one who sits on the throne. And this is a wild ride, man. You think Harry Potter's good? Have you read this? You like Star Wars? You're going to love this. You're into the Lord of the Rings? I think they got some of this. I think he wrote some of this in the Lord of the Rings. Token. Look Look at what John sees. The one who sat here on the throne, had the appearance of jasper and ruby, precious stones radiant, a rainbow that shone around his throne like an emerald encircling the throne, blanketed in this rainbow. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. Seated were 24 elders, right? Around the throne. They were dressed in white purity and crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, booms of thunder, rumblings and pearls. Man, you you think surround sounds good? Man, this thing was rumbling and rolling of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. They They were the seven spirits of God. John goes on. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. And in the center around the throne were four living creatures. And boy, look at these guys. And they were covered with eyes all over them. Sort of like my shirt, just eyes everywhere looking at you in front and back. The first living creature was like a lion. 
the second like an ox, the third like the face of a man, the fourth was a flying eel. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and, co- and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Wow, <laughs> what a picture, man. What a trip. I mean, if we didn't know this was the first century and this was a worship service and John was worshiping on a rock pile, we would say, what cannabis store is John going to? What's he been smoking? Man? This is crazy. Well, actually, it's not crazy. Because in the first century world, all these images were very clear to the Jewish community because these all come out of the Old Testament. These are all Old Testament images and many of them pictures that have been brought forward because in the Old Testament there were many people that had visions and encounters with the throne room of God. Isaiah being one of them, Ezekiel, the book of Daniel. And these are all images that have come forward and now John sees them. And what's that saying? God has been working since the beginning of time all through history. He is immutable, unchangeable. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. This is the same picture. Just a couple of ideas. I would encourage you guys to take some time this week and open up Revelation chapter 4 through through 8 and go sit on a rock and meditate on this passage and just think about the one who sits on the throne. The one who's in control of everything. Rather than getting your news feed from your, your little phone there, get your news feed from the Word of God and let Him give you some good news on who's on the throne today and what is He like And why is he worthy of our worship? The stones speak of the radiance of his beauty and character. You know, in the the temple, the high priest wore a vest with these precious stones that radiated. They were a picture of God's character, his brilliance, his beauty. Right? Uh, The rainbow is about something that happened in the book of Genesis. You guys remember the rainbow? What did it come in the days of Noah? What was it? It was a covenant promise God is wrapped in his promises, his covenant promises, integrity. He is a promise-giving, promise-keeping God. He will never not do anything that he's promised to do. That's his faithfulness to us. He's on the throne. The 24 elders represent the Old Testament and New Testament saints, worshiping God as the creator and sustainer of life. The lightning and thunder. You remember in the Old Testament, the book of Exodus? Moses brought the children to a big mountain, Mount Sinai, and God came down, and what was, what was in thunder and lightning, man? It represents the righteousness of the lawgiver. God is able to judge because he is the lawgiver. He is righteous. He is just. The seven lamps symbolize the healing power. His presence in the temple, there were lamps. It represents the healing presence, the Holy Spirit of God. The sea of glass, I love this picture. In the Old Testament... Water was mystery. The oceans, they were mysterious. And what came out of the oceans was chaos, right? Thunderstorms, nobody wanted to be in a storm on the water. Chaos. And before the throne of God, what happens to chaos? It bows to the throne of God. It is completely at peace. Even chaos bows to the sovereignty of God. Even the chaos in your life today, you may think it's chaos and out of control. It bows to the sovereignty of God in your life. All things work together for the good of those that love God, worship Him, know Him, called according to His purposes. The living creatures represent His creation, all of creation, all of the stars, the heavenly hosts, right? Many times in the ancient world, those stars were about animals and things, right? We have all the constellations, right? And so it's about the heavenly hosts 
that worship him, which are the angels actually around their seraphim, around his phone, worshiping him 24-7. And so this is the throne room. This is a throne, and this is on it. This is in control. Guys, we don't have to run in fear. We don't have to live in doubt. We don't have to be turned by everything that happens on the newsreel. When we ask the question, what's happening and why is it going on? We have a throne and there's somebody on it. And we're invited into it to know him through worship. Worship is our way through. God is in charge. He's on the throne. And what do they say? Day and night. They never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty that comes out of the book of Isaiah, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy is the Lord. He is set apart. He is pure. He is perfect. He is without any moral flaw or stain. And he is the Lord. He is the ruler of all. He is God Almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present, who was and is is to come. This is on the throne. Worship is the oculus of God. Worship is the oculus of God. It is responding to all that God is with all that we are. And guess what? This is not the worship service. This is Watermark's worship service. It happens once a week, a couple of hours. There's a worship service that's going on 24-7 every day right in your apartment, right in the workplace that you live in, right on the beach where you run, right? Right in the airplane when you're going through turbulence. Have you ever been there? Oh my God, who's driving this plane? This is crazy. My wife, she starts to to squeeze my hands. I think she's going to break my fingers. Turbulence, oh my gosh. Guess what? There's a worship throne right there because it's right here right now. The door is open and worship is happening around the throne 24 and you are invited every day, every moment, every into that worship. Worship is a 24/7 all life encounter of giving ourselves, responding to all that God is with all that we are. That's our way through. That's John's way through tribulation. That's the church's way through the suffering in the first century of Nero and Domitian. Domitian is going to kill 40,000 Christians. He's going to try to destroy the church. And guess what? 2,000 years, we are here today. And Rome is done. And we're here today. Why? Because of worship. Because of sacrificial, selfless worship of the church and the faithful worship of the church. God is good. God is on the throne. Worship is our way through. And guess what? He has a plan. He's not only on the throne, but he has a plan. I love a God with a plan. I love a man with a plan. I love a, I love a plan. Don't you guys love a plan? I love a plan. And so John is given a up and close look at the right hand of God. Then I saw the right hand of God and him who sat on the throne and a scroll with, on, with writing on both sides sealed with seven seals and I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? God's got a plan. It's in his right hand. And it is complete because there's no more writing on this scroll. You see that? It's got writing on front of it. It is completely written on The plan is complete. The plan is done. It is perfect. We don't add anything to it. We don't take it away. Nobody can. It is a fully written plan, and God knows the plan, and he knows where he's going. He knows where we're going. This plan is about the destiny of mankind. 
This plan is about destroying evil once and for all. This plan is about bringing justice to the earth. This is a plan about reuniting with heaven and earth to get again so that there's no more sadness, sorrow, tears, so that the lion will lay down with the lamb, so that it's a beautiful place, the place that he created before evil came into the garden, and the place that was going to happen when evil is taken out through the righteous judgment. This is the plan, and God's got it in his hand. So you can be secure, because it's secure in his hand. And guess what? It's perfect, because it's sealed by seven seals. In the book of Revelation, the seven is the word for perfection. It is a perfect plan. It is a sealed plan. It is a sign planned by God. He stamped it. You know, when you held, you, how, how did you make a seal? It wasn't through writing. You put wax and you took your ring, your signet ring. God's taken his signet ring, his authority, everything in his character, and he's gone, that plan is fulfilled and complete and will never change. And we can rest secure. The book of Revelation reveals that plan to us. We're going to unpack that. We're going to go on the podcast and we're going to talk about different issues. But the most important thing is that God's on the throne. He's got a plan. And it's a secure plan. And who's worthy to implement? It's signed, sealed, but it's not delivered yet. It's signed, sealed, but it's not delivered. Who's worthy to take that plan, break the skulls, open it up, and implement it? Make it happen. Who's worthy? And the angel asks all of heaven and earth, every scour, he says, Who's worthy? No one. No one's worthy to take this. This is the great plan on the. No one's worthy to take this plan and comp- who's going to land the plane? Mankind is done. That means global warming's going to win, guys. We're going to burn up and we're going to be done. There's no one worthy. Musk isn't worthy. Is he's not worthy to take us out of here? Trump, Trump, and Biden, if they got together, would they be worthy? Maybe if, if Republicans, maybe they would be worthy? What about the great scientists who discover cancer and, and heart? Maybe they're worthy. Maybe this great scientist is going to be worthy. Isn't there a great businessman? Isn't there somebody who's worthy? And they look, not only in heaven, there's no angel that's worthy. What about Moses? Can't we bring him out? He's got at least another game left in him. How about Moses, right? He's a great leader. Isn't anybody worthy? Nobody's worthy. And John weeps because we weep. Because we look at the world. I go to Rosarito and I see the poor. I see them groveling in the dust. I see them have nothing that I have. I see the pain and the money that it would take and the struggle in their government. This is in Rosarita. And I cry for them because who's worthy? Who's the politician? Who's the mighty? Who's going to help these people in Rose? Who's worthy? Who's worthy for the homeless? Who's worthy? Who's worthy for America? America's imploding. Who's worthy? We're dying. Things are terrible. Look at the Ukraine. Who's worthy? We weep. For mankind, because there's no, this is so humbling. We're the smartest on the top of the food chain. We have so much technology, so much money, so much wealth, so much food, but nobody's worthy, and it's a mess. Gosh, we need a rescue, guys. We need a savior. We need someone who's worthy. Thank God this is at the end of the book of Revelation, because there is a voice. In the middle of the tears, one of the elders says to him, Do not weep, John. See the lion. See the lion of the tribe of Judah. Look, look at the lion and the tribe of Judah, the root of David. He's triumphed. 
He can open the scroll. He's worthy. He's a lion. Oh, boy, do we need somebody that's ferocious and strong if they're going to take care of guys like Putin. Oh, man. And, and the terrible evil. We need somebody that's ferocious and strong. We need a lion. Have you guys ever seen a lion? I mean, you've been to the zoo? I've been to more than the zoo. I've been to uh, safari in Africa. Open cage, Range Rover. I've seen a lion between me and Alonzo right there. I've seen a lion eat a giraffe right in front of me with no cage. I go, if, if he's still hungry, I'm, I'm, I'm dessert. And it's, it's amazing. It's aw- I was looking for the bathroom. I'm shaking so bad. So awesome, so powerful. The crunching of the lions, man. This is, not, this is not any cartoon character. This is real stuff. You watch a lion and you see somebody that's terrifying and brutal. Mufasa, right? The lion. And we need a lion because there's a lot of stuff. Evil's pretty. We need a lion. But we also need a leader. We need a David. We need somebody that could lead. A man after God's heart. A man that can lead in the line of David. A messianic leader. A governor. Someone that knows how to do job. We need a leader. Somebody that's strong and powerful that can go and be... Take care of all these politicians that lie continually and totally. Man, can, can you trust anybody out there? That, that's the worst rating of anybody. We, don't, we need a leader that's true. and We need a leader. We need a real politician and a real governor. We need a leader like David. And we need somebody that knows what they're doing. Somebody that's triumphed. This dude's triumphed. He's not somebody from the minor leagues. and We're giving him his first chance out of the bullpen. This is not the first time on the mound for this guy. This guy's actually faced the worst and he's overcome it. He's a world champion. Man, we need a world champion. You want to see, you, I'm just thinking some dude's going to come out of the tunnel and look like a middle linebacker. I'm thinking this guy, he's going to be just buff and cut and everything and he's going to look handsome and brilliant. And man, this is the guy we're going to, this is the guy that's going to take the scroll and do it, right? Because that's the way we do it in the world. That's the guy. And John says, yes, a lion. And what does he see? What? What? A lamb? A lamb? Are you serious? A lamb. Then I saw a lamb. And that word in the Greek is not just adult lamb. I, mean, I would be okay with an adult lamb, but this is a little lamb. This is a baby lamb. This is like Mary had a little. This is a little lamb, a baby lamb. And it's not just a lamb. It's a lamb chop. It looks as if it's been slain and sacrificed on an altar. This is a lamb who's been sacrificed and slain on an altar. Standing at the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures and elders. The lamb has seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the earth. This lamb has given himself away to complete the plan of God. This lamb has sacrificed himself, not just given political words, given his money, given it. this man, lamb has given his life so that the plan of God could go forward and be completed This lamb has sacrificed himself for the people of God on a lonely cross. This lamb is perfectly wise. He has seven horns. He's perfectly powerful. He has seven spirits. He was a lion who was willing to become a lamb. 
So that we might know the plan of God and that we might enter into the plan of God, that we might receive the plan of God and we might walk forward with the plan of God. This lamb is at the center of the plan of God. This is God's plan. This is the way through tribulation. This is the way through struggle. It is worshiping the lamb and walking with him. That's the plan. And all of heaven erupts with an incredible worship service in every level. The elders, the creatures, and all of heaven, all the angels worship this lamb. And they say, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased God's persons from every tribe, language, people, and nation. You purchased the people. That's the plan. It's a people that's going to walk through to the end with God and worship God. Because who are these people that are set apart? You have made them a kingdom of priests. The way through his worship. The priesthood of believers, the way through his worship. Worshiping the Lamb and following him through the tribulation until the plan is done. That's the way through. And we will reign on all the earth. God has revealed the plan. It's worship, guys. It's worship. It's not figuring out the mark of the beast. I wish it was. That's the easy way out. If I could figure it out, I'd not take it and I'll go to heaven. The plan is not being on the right rapture bus, guys. I wish it was. Maybe it will be. But the plan is, how do I get on the rapture bus? That's not the plan. The plan is not trying to figure out all the people. The plan is worship. Because what's at the center of history? It is selfless, sacrificial love. That is the lamb. That is the way we got here. And that is the way through. And that is how we find our way through tribulation and struggle. It is through worshiping the lamb. And honoring him with all that we are. Here's what Paul said. Who gave himself away for that lamb. So that other people might know the way through is not worshiping Caesars or worshiping Putins or worshiping Trumps or worshiping money or power. It is worshiping the Lamb. And Paul said, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of the Lamb, in view of His mercy that He gave everything for you. Right? He gave everything for you. Offer your body. Worship is not a service twice a month in a church. No judgment on anybody. Worship is a 24-7 lifestyle of giving all that we are to all that God is. Worship is a life. Worship is your mind. It's renewing 24-7 and taking the news feed of God and renewing your mind. Worship is a heart. It's giving Him your devotion and your love and honoring Him and blessing Him and affirming Him. Worship is your body. Present your bodies to God. God, here's my body. Here's all that I am. Use me to honor and glorify you today. And all that I do, worship is a 24-7 lifestyle of giving ourselves to the Lamb and all that He is because He's at the center of eternity. And guess where history ends, guys? It ends at the feet of the Lamb. History ends at the feet of the Lamb. Whether you're in His Lamb's book of life or whether you're not, whether you're on the scroll or whether you're not, because that scroll is the Lamb's book of life. And that life comes through worshiping Jesus Christ. And whether you're on the scroll or not, it ends at the feet of the Lamb. And you're either going to worship Him today or you're going to worship Him then. And realize that He's the Lamb. And realize the opportunity that you missed. 
And Jesus doesn't want anybody to miss out on that opportunity. Not anybody in this room to know him and to worship him. That is what you were created for. That is your proper worship. That's what your life's about. That's why he created you. That's why he gave his life for you, so that you would know him. Worship is our way through. Worship brings us into the presence of God. Right? That's our way through. It's, it's, the, it's the Holy Spirit that's on those flaming things that's now in our heart now that brings us the peace of God through the suffering of life. It's God's presence. It's the one who suffers. Do you ever wonder why you're suffering and if God even understands? Well, the Lamb knows why you're suffering and He understands because He gave His life to overcome that. And He's with you in suffering. There's no other religious system. There's no other thing of worship that can give you that kind of promise. Worship is your worth. You worship money. You worship sex. You worship everything that Oculus can give you. And guess what? You're only worth that. Something that's temporary, something that's going to throw you away, something that doesn't care about you, something that's not God. That's, that's worshiping the wrong thing. That brings you no worth. That brings you worthlessness. But if you worship the eternal God, you have worth in him. He lifts you up. And his blood is equal with your value. Worship shows up our value. Our value is equal with the blood of the lamb. He has lifted you up with him in worship. That's where we get our worth from, guys. That's how we get through. Worthy is the lamb, right? Worship shows us the path. And it's not the path of power. It's not the path of might. It's not the path of money and man glory. It's the path of suffering and love, guys. That's the path of life. That's our way through. That's the way through marriage of 41 years. I've been married for 41 years. I've tried to power up. That ain't not the way through. The way through is selfless, sacrificial love. You want to parent somebody? The way through is selfless, sacrificial love. You want to love a friend? A friend, you know, versus just Facebooking a friend? You go and give yourself away to that friend in sacrificial, selfless love. That's the way through, guys. That's the way through. You want to be... A work life, a career life, it's selfless. You lift other people up and God will lift you. That's, Jesus is showing you the way through, guys. It's worship and following the Lamb because he's already made the way. He's already been there. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it ends at the throne room of God. It ends with hope. It ends with victory. It ends with ruling for all eternity. That's the promise of God. That's what Jesus invites us into today. As the band comes up, We're going to close our time with a time of worship, a time to respond to this truth. And my question for you, before we come to the communion table, the communion table of the Lamb, right? This is the Lamb's Supper. And he says, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take this and remember that you are worthy of my love because I gave it for you, right? This is, this is my body, this is my blood which is shed for you, and it's for the forgiveness of sin, and it gives you worth that's eternal. Right? When we ingest that, we worship the Lamb and we say, you are God, you are in the center of my life. That's what communion is. And Jesus says, I'm not going to drink of this cup again until we do it at the, the supper of the, the wedding feast of the Lamb, right? When we gather together, that's His promise to you. It all ends in glory. And so we have hope in the midst of suffering and tribulation. Whatever you're suffering from, whatever you're going through today, 
Worship is the way through. Is he worthy for you? As we come to the communion table, as we, is he worthy? Is, is Jesus worthy enough for you? Is he worthy of your wallet today? Is, is, is your money in the center of his plan? What's the biggest problem in the American church? It's greed. Our money's more important than God. Is he worthy of your time today? What's the biggest problem? We're too busy for God. We're too, we've got too many good things that are better than God. Is he worthy of your time? Is he worthy of your talents? No, I've, I've got I've to give my talent to win the worldly trophies. But is he the one who gave him? Is he worthy of your talent today? What, what is he calling you to? What is he asking you? What, what are you holding on to that you think is God that it's not? Right? I've had to do that several times to do business with God and say, Jesus, I gotta lay it down. I gotta lay it down this business. I gotta lay down this church, Jesus. I don't I don't know if the church is gonna make I gotta lay this down. I gotta give this to you. I gotta step off leadership. I gotta give it to somebody else. I, I have to I have to trust you with my children. Right? Every day is an opportunity to lay it down and worship and let him be the, on the throne and he makes a way. A way that is way better than any way the world can give you. It only brings you to peace and joy. And so we invite you to surrender to him today. If you've never done that, to say, Jesus, I, I want the way of the Lamb. I want your way. I give my life to you today. I encourage you to do that before you come to this table. Say, Jesus, you are the way. I give my life to you today. And receive the life of God, the body and blood of the one who gave everything for you. Let's bow our hands, heads. Jesus, thanks so much for this morning and this challenging and yet comforting word. You're the lion, Jesus, and you're, you're ferociously coming at us, Lord God, and you're, you're asking for us to give away the stuff that doesn't matter. But you're coming to us as a lamb, a lamb who bled and died, a lamb who gave himself for us, a lamb who loves us. Bring that love into our lives as we take your, your bread and cup, as we remember you change us from the inside out by the power of your spirit and make us the people that you want to be, you want us to be, worshipers, saying worthy is the lamb. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Whenever God calls you, let's worship and remember him in communion. We hope that this message has challenged and encouraged you. If you need prayer, would like to join a small group community, or are interested in partnering with our work throughout Costa Mesa and Orange County, please go to watermarkoc.com. We would love to start a conversation.